Okay, good evening, everybody. And then ten for sure. We might get to eleven, but okay. The handout should be coming around, and we were on lesson <clears throat> lesson number ten this evening. We may or may not get to lesson eleven. We'll see how it goes. Lesson or chapter ten as well. In our our study here of what's on your mind, discovering the power of biblical thinking. And um, just getting a slight recap, if you can remember, back to kind of how we started. There's a couple different sections that we've been looking at. First one, the first couple, first couple lessons was on brainwashed Christianity, was good, the section what it's called. But the realization of a created mind, the realization of a changed mind. Realization of a conscientious mind, and then the realization of a captured mind was chapters 1 to 4. Then part 2, we actually finished that last week, um, was uh, who left the brain door open? That's on, was kind of talking about a complacent mind, a careless mind, the contaminated mind, and the closed mind. Kind of, if you think about, kind of part 1 was kind of like, how do I word it? the importance of being open-minded. Part two is about the importance of being closed-minded on certain things. And then part three, which is kind of what we, we started last week with chapter nine, was mind control with the first part and the second part, and it comes to this of the mind control area, and that will make a lot more sense as we get into it here. And lesson nine of last week was guided by a censored mind, and then chapter 10, which is the, the lesson for tonight, is guided by a clean mind. And again, you should have your hand out there. Um, we'll jump right into that as well. Now, when we ask Christ into our lives to save us, the Bible declares that, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That being true... How does sin creep back into our lives as children of God? No, we know that we can't lose our salvation, as Jesus declared, John 10, 28-29, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Let's go ahead and pray before we uh, jump in any further. Lord, I thank you for uh, this opportunity this evening to be able to to be in your house, to be in this this position here of presenting the lesson, what we're looking at. Um, thank you for each and every one who's here, and just um, ask that you'd work in the lives of the those that are listening and receiving um, the teaching tonight as you've worked in my life um, and preparing it. And just help us to see the importance of a clean mind, again, being under the mind control of you. And the importance, again, of a clean mind tonight. And just uh, please help us to be able to stay focused and attentive to what you have for us uh, this, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians four nineteen to 20 gives us the process whereby we allow sin into our minds. And we'll look at that as we get a little further on. Now, many a mother 
after giving her little boy a bath and has said, now stay clean. Mom wants him to be clean, knowing the worst possible way for church or some other important function. But little boys are little boys, and dirt has a way of presenting itself, or mud on the sides of your sidewalk. When God cleansed us from sin at salvation, he desires that we stay clean. But sin has a way of presenting itself, and that attack always begins in the mind. So the first point this evening, get back up here, starts with an I as your blank here, a and something conscience. They start with an I, all the main points here that you're looking for. It is any guesses? Not inward. Eleven. Not innocent. Think more of the negative. You want to have this, but it's first two letters are I N, so it's not that. Insensitive. An insensitive conscience. Ephesians four nineteen again. Um, maybe we'll just let me turn to those verses real quick. But I just turn there. We'll we'll read them real quick. I don't think they're in your handout, but um, we'll just read Ephesians four nineteen to twenty here real quick. Someone want to volunteer to read those Ephesians four nineteen and twenty? Go ahead, John. Who being, past feeling, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. So an insensitive conscience, who being past feeling. Watch out when you no longer sense the Spirit of God speaking to you through His Word. Remember what we said, this has been, I don't remember how, but this might have been a month or two ago lesson here but remember what was said about the brand on the flank of a cow like many a branded animal we must not allow our conscience to be seared with a hot iron like it talks about in first timothy 4 2 god had a message for the prophet jeremiah to deliver to the nation of israel this is jeremiah um, 5 20 to 22 it says declare this in the house of jacob and publish it in judah saying hear now this O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord, will ye not tremble at my presence? And by the time we get to chapter 8 in Jeremiah, that seared conscience had led to a sorry condition. This is Jeremiah eight twelve. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that shall fall, that fall. In the time of their visitation they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Dr. Paul Brand was a physician who did much to advance the treatment of leprosy. As he lived among the lepers to study them and treat them, he would regularly take baths in scalding water. 
And his purpose was to, doing this, was to discover if there were any parts of his body where he might have lost feeling. He knew that if he had lost, that if there was any part of his body that had lost sensitivity to the boiling water, it was there that the leprosy had attacked him. There's a, a sidebar comment here. It says, conscience is a small voice deep down inside where the acoustics are generally poor. So where has your life become insensitive? Do we still blush at a curse word or immoral scene on TV? Are we still appalled by a lie? Does bitterness or pride bother us? Or has it become our pet sin? Christians today are allowing words, thoughts, music, friends, entertainment, etc. into their lives that would have bothered their conscience a few years ago. Conscience is that thing that hurts when everything else feels good. Cultivate a clear conscience. It may turn out to be the best friend you ever had. That's kind of the end of point one, so that the subpoints there again weren't talked about here. But is a something mind starts with an S. Saturated. Close, not quite. Think of the verse. Yep, a seared mind. And then the subpoint B was a something message. Also starts with an S. Not sealed, starts, think Jeremiah. He was sent. Is a sent message. The polluting of our minds begins with an insensitive conscience that we just see there. That moves us to point two, which is and also starts with an I corruption. This might be a little more harder, might be harder to get. Once you get get into the point, it'll make sense. An invited corruption. Have an insensitive conscience and an invited corruption. Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness in that verse there. Once the conscience is seared, it's easy to plunge forward into wrong thinking. The door into our minds has been cracked open and sin just automatically thinks it's been invited inside. It's amazing how you can't just sin a little. Sin never stays little. It always grows. That little sin in our minds can grow until it causes our whole life's direction to change. Interesting story here from from the author of the book. It says, recently I had my first experience with a kidney stone. It says, I went to bed as normal on a Saturday night after driving most of the day to get to a church that I could preach the services at the next morning. About 10 minutes into sleep, I was awakened by an intense pain in my abdomen. I said, I I tried everything over the next two hours to rid myself of this horrible pain, but nothing worked. After arriving in an emergency room in a strange town, they put me on some morphine and did a CAT scan. Five hours later, I was given the news. You have a kidney stone. Textbook symptoms. You should pass it in the next few hours. As the doctor was sending me home, he instructed me to try to catch the stones that they could study it and find its cause. As he handed me a strainer, I asked him what I was looking for. He said, oh, you won't be impressed. It's about the size of a grain of sand. 
I'd heard that the pain of passing a kidney stone was like having a baby. I thought, a grain of sand. I'm about to deliver a world-class midget. How could such a small thing create so much torment? Like that grain of sand creating such an intense pain, when we open our mind's door to the thought of sin, we're asking for big problems. No wonder Paul was so emphatic. This is Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Solomon in his wisdom warned, my son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That's Proverbs 1.10. Evangelist Billy Sunday used to say, if you don't want to sin, stay out of the devil's neighborhood. There's way too much window shopping at the mall of sin. Only fools fool with sin. Flirting with temptation always leads to romance with sin. So then the subpoints in here is uh, the something of wrong something. First, letter, first one starts with a D, the second one starts with a T. Thinking is the last one that is correct. One, two, three, four, five. Five letter word. Ditch. Yes, that's correct. The ditch of wrong thinking. which then leads to same thing, D and T. The last one's transgressions, because that's kind of a harder one. This is more of what this leads to, the disaster of woeful transgressions. So point three, not only do we have an insensitive conscience and an invited corruption, but then we have now a something continuation. <laughs> the options are now... Increasing, an increased continuation. Kind of, you can kind of follow the progression in the points. Have an insensitive conscience, which kind of moves to an invited corruption, now an increased continuation. To work all uncleanness, Ephesians 4.19. Like a cancer, sin begins to work its way into every part of our lives. Adam and Eve allowed a doubt and ended up in disobedience. Lot allowed a division and ended up in drunkenness. Achan allowed covetousness and ended up in a cemetery. Samson allowed a look and ended up in lust. David started out missing from battle and ended up murdering in brutality. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's James 1, 14 to 15. No sin starts with murder or rape or robbery. It begins with a thought and grows into an action. 
Have you ever gone early to a major league baseball game? After the, fee, after the teams take a couple of hours of batting and infield practice, the field is cleared so that the grounds crews can ready the field for play. Every person on the field over the next few minutes has a job to do. Some are watering down the infield, while others are putting new bases in place. Usually, one man works alone around home plate, and his job is to carefully rechalk the batter's box. Two boxes are neatly placed on each side of the plate. To stand outside of these boxes while hitting is illegal, so they are meticulously measured and chalked. When play ball is echoed from the home plate umpire, the first batter, first batter steps to the plate. If you watch, his first move is to try and erase the back of the batter's box with the spikes. He deletes that clearly marked line by mixing the chalk with the dirt until it's hardly discernible. Now with the line no longer clear, he cheats back in the box as far as he can without being called out so as to see the pitch for as long as possible. God went to a lot of trouble to give us his clearly defined commandments. How casually we rub them out and rationalize that we are close to the batter's box of his word. Edmund Burke writes, The instances are exceeding rare of man immediately passing over a clear marked line from virtue into declared vice and corruption. There are middle tints and shades between the two extremes. There is something uncertain on the confines of the two empires, which they must pass through and which renders the change easy and imperceptible. David never dreamed he'd commit murder after such a track record of victory. But the problem with the little sin is that it never stays little. So subpoints under here, you have sin, something continually. Starts with a D. Not quite. Destroys. Yep. Destroys continually. Then sin something consciously. Also starts with a D. Close. We're really good at doing this to ourselves. Deceives. Sin deceives consciously. So that moves us on to now point four. We have an insensitive conscience and an inviting, invited corruption, increased continuation, now a something clamoring. It's interesting. Might not get this one. This is interesting. Think a campfire. <laughs> I end as well. Inflamed. An inflamed clamoring. With greediness, Ephesians 4.19. The fire of sin is hard to put out. 
The devil has plenty of fuel to throw on that fire to keep it burning for a long time. Another interesting story from the author here. When I was a teenager, I took care of a cemetery. There was a lot of brush on the fence line, and so my dad and I spent several days clearing out all the vines and thorns that had grown into the fence. After several days, we had quite a pile of brush across the road from the cemetery down in a ravine. A few days later, my dad told me to ride my bike over there and burn that pile of, bush, of brush. I took some matches, and I made my way eagerly to the ravine. This was going to be a fantastic fire, and I was looking forward to watching the inferno. I lit a couple of small twigs at the bottom of the brush pile, today, but they would burn for just a few seconds and then go out. I found some old newspaper and tried lighting it, but the same thing happened. Those stumps and branches were just too green to burn, so I decided to add some fuel to the fire. I walked over to the little storage shed that we had at the cemetery and got a large 10-gallon drum of gasoline. My theory was actually pretty good, but my methods were flawed. I again lit some newspaper and got it burning at the bottom of the pile. I stood back a few feet and took the drum of gasoline and with the lid open, I clumsily slung some gasoline toward the fire. I don't remember much about the next few seconds. An inferno would be an understatement as the flames shot up not only from the brush pile but from the 10-gallon drum that I was holding. I threw that drum into the fire and ran. When I heard the explosion of that drum, I dove, I dove to the ground, covered my head, and hoped that none of the shrapnel from that exploding can would fall on me. Allow a little sin into your mind, and the devil will be sure to add the fuel to the fire. Within a very short time, you will have a fire of sin burning in your life that will be difficult to extinguish. We can get to the point where we enjoy the sin that we once abhorred. Romans 1.32, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Your appetite for sin will increase more and more. The mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Proverbs 15.14 Sin that was once feared is now commonplace. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. That's Job fifteen sixteen. Doing wrong is now as normal as getting a drink of water. So then the subpoints under this is the something of sin should be pretty easy. Starts with an F. Similar fire. The fire. Which goes to then the second one, the F of sin as well, four-letter word as well. You need this for the first one. Fuel. fuel. The fuel of sin. This insensitive conscience, invited corruption, increased continuation, and inflamed clamoring is all a result of, which is our fifth point, a something communication. Also starts with an I. No guesses. 
one, two, three, four, five, seven letters. And ignored communication. But ye have not so learned Christ, Ephesians 4.20. Paul reminds us that we did not learn this wrong pattern from Christ. All through the process of closing our minds to God, the Holy Spirit tries to warn us. Are you ignoring God's warnings today? This is uh, Isaiah 65, 12. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. It's one thing to ignore the counsel of good people in your life, but to turn a deaf ear to God is a very dangerous trend. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Revelation 2.29. The saddest places in the Bible are the times when the voice of God is ignored. Matthew 23.37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. That's Jesus speaking there. Another interesting story here. When I first started out in evangelism, my family and I traveled in a Chevy Suburban and pulled a 25-foot Airstream trailer. Having grown up on a farm, I never struggled with some of the challenges of pulling that trailer that some of my fellow evangelists did. But on one particular occasion, my overconfidence got me into trouble. I was preaching for the Dublin Christian Academy in Dublin, New Hampshire for a school revival. Their academy is located on the top of a New England mountain, and it was December. We got our trailer up there without any problems and enjoyed being on the campus for the various chapels that took place during the day. In the evenings, we would drive down the mountain and over to the town of Peterborough, where we would hold revival services for a new church plant at the town hall. As Friday approached, I began to do some planning for our departure. We were scheduled to begin meetings in Pittsburgh on Sunday with and the forecast there in New Hampshire was for freezing temperatures with some rain and snow, rain or snow. Since we would need to leave after the service on Friday night in order to make it to Pittsburgh by Sunday, I decided to hook up the trailer after the last chapel and take it down the mountain before the temperatures dropped below freezing. I knew that winding road down the mountain would get icy as the temperature dropped. The pastor and his family had invited us to eat at their house at 5, and so I planned to drive into town, park the trailer in one of the store parking lots near the town hall, and walk to the pastor's house. Everything worked fine as we made it down the mountain and into town without any problems. But as I got to the main street of town, it suddenly dawned on me that it was Friday night during the Christmas season, and all the stores were open until late. Thus, all the parking lots were full, and there was no place to park our rig. By now it was dark and close to five o'clock, but I knew that I had no choice but to go back out to the highway and circle back over the mountain to the pastor's house. That was the day prior to cell phones, and I didn't want to be late to the pastor's house, but I, I knew we were about 15 minutes away if all went well, but it was nearing five o'clock. As I drove down the main street, I remembered that there was a one-lane road that went over the mountain and came out about a block from the pastor's house. We had driven it one day as we were out soul winning. I remembered that it was the road right after the public library. As I approached that corner, I told my family that I knew a shortcut. Immediately, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, don't do it. 
I rounded the corner anyway and pressed the accelerator down in order to gain some speed up the incline that was probably about a half mile in distance. The Holy Spirit kept saying, stop, don't do this, turn around now. But I ignored that voice. That 454 Chevy engine was roaring now as we chugged up toward the top. About 20 yards from the crest, my rear wheels began to spin on the icy pavement below. It was colder near the top and the moisture on the road had frozen. No problem, I thought. I put my foot on the brake and allowed a few seconds to pass, knowing from experience that the heat of my spinning tires would melt the ice beneath them and we'd be able to move forward momentarily. As I took my foot off the brake and applied the accelerator, however, we began to slide backwards. As I hit the brake, the truck on the trailer began to jackknife. When I had let off the brake, I could straighten the rig slightly, but as soon as I had hit the brake again, we would jackknife and slide a little closer to the edge of that one-lane road. On the passenger side, where my wife was sitting, there was a deep ravine that plunged about 500 feet down with a few uh, young pine trees that wouldn't have held a snowmobile on that mountain, much less a 20,000-pound rig. On my side, there was a deep ditch of about 50 feet that didn't look any more inviting. At one point, I decided to set the parking brake and get out and take a look at our situation since it was by now completely dark. As I got out of the truck, however, it began to slide past me. So jumping back in, I announced to my family, we are going to die. <laughs> we managed to slip and slide backwards down that mountain about 100 yards when my wife informed me that if we slid any closer to the edge on her side, we were going over. I again made sure that everybody in the truck knew that they were saved. <laughs> we said our prayers, and I decided to take my foot off the brake, close my eyes, and hope for the best. Because of our jackknife position, the trailer pulled our truck off the road to the left where there just so happened to be a driveway that we hit dead center and plunged into a giant bake of snow backwards. It took a while to shovel out the back of the trailer from the snow, but we were able to pull out of that driveway and head back down the mountain to the pastor's house. We were only about an hour late for dinner, but I wasn't very hungry. Anyway, I don't think that still small voice ever stopped talking until we got to Pittsburgh Saturday night. Just kept saying, I told you so. What's that voice telling you today? Don't ignore the communication. So the subpoints under this one are the warning starts with an I. Um, not that. Before that. Another word for that. Another word for that. <laughs> issued. The warning issued. And this one has already been said. The warning ignored. Again, some, uh, some questions here, but um, we'll just, I'll read through them here and we'll go on and uh, the second point, this, we'll go ahead and do chapter 11 as well. It says, when we open our mind's door to the thought of sin, we're asking for big problems. And again, there's the following scriptures contain warnings about sin, and look up the following verses and write, write the sentence summarizing each verse, and there's a couple verses that are given there. In the battle of trying to keep our minds clean from sin, the devil tries to create an appetite. 
for sin. And then what do the following verses say about having an appetite for sin? A couple verses there. Through the process of closing our minds to God, the Holy Spirit tries to warn us. Are you ignoring God's warnings today? Does Isaiah 65, 12 describe your response to God's warnings? And that's the verse of talking about when I called, he did not answer. When I spake, he did not hear, but did evil and did not choose that which I delight, that wherein I delighted. Question four was describe the last time you sensed God's Holy Spirit leading you. What was he asking and how did you respond? Number five is sin begins with a thought and grows into an action. And then to write out James 1, 14 to 15, talking about lust when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let's move on to chapter, chapter 11 here real quick. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass those out real quick. Should have your outline coming. I'm going to go ahead and jump in so we can uh, keep moving. Again, section on mind control. We guided by a censored mind, chapter 9, guided by a clean mind, what we just looked at. And then lesson 11 is guided by a conformed mind. We're never going to be able to think right on our own. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, the 2 Corinthians 3.5. Our minds must be conformed to God's mind if we are going to please Him. That has been God's desire since the day He saved us. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's Romans 8.29. In these next few verses of Ephesians 4, Paul gives us practical steps to take if we're going to have our minds to have minds that are conformed to Christ. So point number one is something of sinful something. First one is an R, second is a P. These are is an action, patterns is the second. First one is an action, starts with an R. Reasoning. It literally is a verb. Repent. Repent of sinful patterns. Ephesians 4.22 is that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. If you remember the verses that John read that started us, it says, who being past feeling have given themselves over, Unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. That was last lesson. Now this one, verse 21 of Ephesians 4. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put off. Get rid of. Repent. Change your mind. Acts um, 8.22. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And I believe that's Peter 
talking to Simon, I think, Simon the sorcerer, I think. But it's interesting. Pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Have you ever noticed that we have a certain pattern of thought? It seems that some thoughts, no matter how hard we try to ignore them, continue to return. Sometimes these thoughts are resurrected from our lives before we were saved. Notice Paul speaks of the former conversation or the unsaved mind. He also tells us to rid our minds of that which is corrupt in this verse. That would speak of the unholy mind, those things that we have allowed in as sinful thought patterns. This, then he says we must turn from deceitful lusts, which speak of the thoughts that have been entertained by an unbridled mind. The unsaved mind, the unholy mind, and the unbridled mind must all be acknowledged as wrong sinful patterns. And repentance is necessary to rid the mind of these sinful patterns. We often repent of sinful actions because they're seen and get us into trouble. But have you ever repented of sinful thought patterns? We often have to apologize for yelling at our children because we didn't deal with the anger that was welling up in our hearts. Repenting of the patterns of selfishness, pride, bitterness, unforgiveness, covetousness, jealousy, envy, and lust will save you from dealing with sinful actions later. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs 23, 7. There was a commercial on television years ago for Fram oil filters. It showed an auto mechanic looking under the hood of a car with a smoking engine. Someone had failed to change his oil regularly, and now his engine needed to be repaired. A very expensive proposition. The old mechanic would hold up the advertised oil filter and say, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Repenting of sinful action, pattern, repenting of sinful patterns is a price that must be paid now or we will pay dearly later. So the, the sub points here is the something of sinful thought pattern starts with an R. Think before that. There has to be a something on our part of this. A realization. And then subsequently, the something of sinful thought patterns. Also starts with an R. You have the realization, and then there needs to be this repentance. Yep, the repentance of sinful thought patterns. This is definitely, as you'll see along, this is a very practical lesson. So, point two also is an R and a P as well. You had repent of sinful thought patterns, and then. Second one is power. I'll give you that one. Similar. Think of Jesus in his 
temptation. Resist. Resist. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians 4.23. The human spirit fails unless the Holy Spirit fills. D.L. Moody said, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit, and if we aren't filled, it's because we're living beneath our privileges. You and I are not going to win this battle of our minds without the power of the Holy Spirit. As long as we think that we can think right on our own, we think wrong. Zechariah 4.6, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now in order to be filled, I must be empty. The gas tank on my car is always full. But while it is always full, I may come to a complete stop along the side of the road because of a lack of fuel. Let me explain. My tank is always full of something, either air or gasoline. Unfortunately, cars do not run on air, so we must keep them filled with fuel. When you put gasoline into your car, you are forcing the air in that tank out. The same principle applies to our lives. When we are filled with self, the Holy Spirit is forced out. But when we empty ourselves of ourselves and the sinful patterns that accompany our sinful selves and are filled with the Spirit of God, we will have thoughts and actions that are pleasing to God. John put it succinctly, he must increase and I must decrease. That's John 3.30. The analogy that the Bible uses in Ephesians chapter 5 is interesting. Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. When a person is drunk with alcohol, there's no question that he is under the influence of that which he has placed within him. He may try to cover up that influence, but he can't. Ask him to walk on a straight line. He can't. Ask him to repeat the alphabet. He can't. His words are slurred, his mind is slowed, his movements are awkward, and all because he cannot control himself. He is under the control of something else. When we are empty of our own sinful patterns of thought and our minds are controlled by the Holy Spirit, it will likewise be undeniable. We can't hide it. It's obvious as our speech, our actions, and even our reactions are now controlled by the Spirit of God rather than our sinful flesh. Have you repented of sinful thought patterns and are you resisting with spirit-filled power? Martin Luther said that God made the world out of nothing and it's only when we become nothing that God can make something out of us. Subpoints under here is the, starts with an E, this would be a hard one to get, the enhancement. A slave to alliteration. And then the something of self. Think gas tank. Yes. The emptying of self. So we had repenting of sinful patterns of thought, resisting with spiritful power, and now replace. I just told you. 
with scriptural precepts. Good guess. And that she put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4.24. The replacement theory, as I like to call it, is found throughout the Bible. Putting off, that is repentance, is a huge first step in the process, but the wrong must be replaced by that which is right if victory is to be secured. Notice several places where God emphasizes replacement. There's a couple of verses here. We'll read them. Is Psalm 1, 1 to 2, yes. Ephesians 4, 28, and then Romans 12, 9, 21. Okay, so we'll just go around the room and read those here. Um, you want to go start? Pastor? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And go ahead in Ephesians 4, 28. <clears throat> let him that souls feel no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Then Romans 12, 9 to 21. Let love be without dissimulation, humble that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. I don't have verse markers in mind, so. Call patient and tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Uh, 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that they rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low state. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Paul sums it up nicely later. This is Colossians 3, 8 to 10. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The old simply must be replaced by the new. You say, but I've been thinking wrong for so long. I just don't think I can change the way I think. I've tried to quit the wrong thought patterns. I've been to the altar and confessed them. They just keep coming back. Let's try an experiment. So think about this with me here. Think of the number eight. Do you have it? 
that you have in your brain, think about its shape. Think about, think of a snowman. Think of the eight ball on a pool table. A V8 drink. Eight's a beautiful number, right? <laughs> now try to forget it. Stop thinking about eight. Erase it from your mind. Don't think of its shape or the mount for which it stands. Repent of the number eight. You can't do it, can you? The more you try to forget the eight, the more it's there. The same is true of a sinful thought. The more you focus on repenting of it, the harder it is to put it off. Now think of this. Still got eight on your mind? Okay. Think of the number of hundred. Add four to it. Subtract 14 from it. Divide it by three. Add 20. Multiply it by two. And then subtract 99. What do we got? Right? Did you think of eight any time in that sequence? You shouldn't have. You should have one on your mind right now. You'll never rid your mind of sinful thoughts by focusing on how important it is to get rid of them. You must replace those thoughts. Philippians 4, 7-9. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are uh, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Your mind is a lot like the desktop on your computer. Whatever you leave on that desktop will be staring you in the face every time you log in. But if you take the time to click on those unwanted items and drag them over to your recycle bin or trash can, you won't remember that they're on your computer. Now to be sure, they're still on your computer and you can find them, or your server can, if you go digging around in the trash can. But if they're out of sight, they're out of mind. When we continually feed our minds the wrong data day after day, is it any wonder that we struggle with the same th sinful thought patterns that lead us into sinful actions? Why don't you click on those wrong thoughts today and drag them under the blood of Christ? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 1.9 But don't stop there. Replace those sinful thoughts with right thoughts. After confessing your sins first thing each morning, go ahead and put something on the desktop of your mind that will help you think right and do right. Reading scripture is a great start. Why not try memorizing a verse? Sing a hymn. Repeat a quote from last Sunday's sermon. Think about five people who have serious needs and pray for them. After a few of these disciplines to start your day, you won't be thinking about your number eight. And with time, you'll forget about it altogether because your mind has been renewed through repentance, resistance, and replacement. So the subpoints on this one is putting, starts with an O, off is equivalent to, starts with an R, repentance, yes. 
and then putting starts with an O is equivalent to on is the first one, equivalent to restoration is what's in there, but that's the thought. So that's, again, a very practical lesson. So the, the questions on this one says, what are we to do with our wickedness according to Acts 8.22? And that's that verse with Peter talking to Simon the sorcerer. What does he tell him to do in there? Repent of the thought of thine heart. And this one is a uh, list three or four sinful thought patterns that could threaten your life's direction. An interesting thought. What analogy does the scripture use in Ephesians 5, 18? And then expound that truth that's found in the verse. being under the control of that, right? But contrast that to being filled with the Spirit. Question four, is the replacement theory, putting off the sinful nature and putting on a Spirit-filled life, is found throughout the Bible? God emphasizes replacement in various, in several places throughout Scripture. And then it, the verses that we read together here, read those and summarize the replacement that was made. Let's just look at one of them. Psalm 1, 1 to 2. What would you say is what needs repented of? What needs repented of in those verses? What needs put off? Oh, they're in your handout, so you can look at them. The Psalm 1, 1 to 2. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, right? So then what's the... Uh, that's the repenting, the putting off. What's the putting on? Yep. You can go through all those passages looking at those. The old must be replaced by that which is new. Then Colossians 3, 8 to 10, which we already um, read those as well. And not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 3.5. So again, a little bit longer this evening, but chapter 11 was shorter than the others, so just kind of doing those together in chapter 10 and then 11. So let, next week is chapter 12. So I think we got, I think it's about three weeks left because um, we have chapter 12 that we'll do next week. And then, which got some very interesting things in there. And then just with how this is laid out, the conclusion, then there's kind of, two appendices in here. Technically, Appendix 2 is Lesson 13, but we're kind of going to combine some of that. Um, so we'll do Lesson 12, and then I think we'll have two more lessons after that, and they're really, some really interesting practical things of how to do, especially what we just talked about on that. Um, but any thoughts on Lesson tonight? Anything that stood out to you particularly? Anything? I think of chapter 10 is guided by a clean mind and then guided by a conformed mind in chapter 11.
You can remember back kind of chapter 10, that kind of uh, progression, kind of how it started. Got an insensitive conscience, that searing, then it's like the inviting corruption, which leads to increased continuation. Think of the batter's box, that example. An inflamed clamoring fuel on the fire because of an ignored communication. Or try to lose weight and you're focusing in on the problem. The more you want food, it just becomes actually worse, it seems. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more about replacing, getting your mind. But if you go work and your mind's on something else, you don't think about the food. You replace it with, with something. You know, that's kind of, but you know, you can apply that to anything, but simple way. Then, yeah, chapter 11, this, the idea of the conformed of that thought of repenting of the wrong thought patterns that we have. Of course, the resistance with the Holy Spirit and then replacement with scriptural precepts there. Anything else we stood out to anybody in particular? Or? It's a, uh, again, probably some things not like with novel like we've never heard it before, but just maybe thinking about it in some different ways. Hearing the same truth presented differently, perhaps. But just that idea of just got to, again, focus on replacement, because, yeah, it's so easy to get focused on not doing, and that's what we focus on is not doing this, not doing this, not doing this, but then focusing on the replacement of the other side of that. And then you don't think about eight when you're thinking of one. So let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for tonight. Thank you for the lesson that we're able to to hear again. Um, everybody being patient with yours. We just went, went a little bit over, but that um, just hearing the truths of your word, just that the principle of replacement, again, it's not just simply not doing something, but it's doing something else, replacing what we shouldn't do with something that we should do. And again, that battle all starts in our mind. It's not the actions, it starts in the mind. I ask you to be with us as we um, go to our homes, bring us back safely on Wednesday, and just uh, for, of course, Patch Club and everything with that, that that would be a, a blessing and a, um, a blessing to our church and then others as well. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.